judge. That's all of us. Come on, I'm looking around here going, I know. I know some of our stories is like, oh man, we have all at times felt judged for so many different reasons. But no matter what the reason we may have felt judged for, what we were judged about, it always brings with it some level of pain. And that pain may range, you know, on a you know, scale. You know, maybe it just stings a little bit. You know, maybe the person who was judging us isn't that important in our lives, so it just stings like, you know, I've got tough skin. I'm just going to muscle up and push through. I'm going to soldier on, right, even though this person is, is throwing shade on me and judging me for whatever. But it can get worse than that. It can get worse. Sometimes judgment in someone's life actually caused them to want to run away from those who are judging them. There's a book that recently came out that I was reading about um, called Rules of Estrangement. Rules of Estrangement. In that book, the author um, in, does some statistical analysis and says that 40%, 40% of Americans have experienced estrangement from some family member at some point in their life. 40%, four out of 10 people have experienced from their estrangement from their family. And you just have to wonder how many people have been running from those who have been ultra critical or judgmental of them. Unfortunately, we know that that also happens in churches. You know, churches as wonderful as ours that people have, have left church, right, because of feeling judged. And then judgment can also go all the way to that far extreme in people's hearts and lives where we know that there are people who have even taken their own lives because the weight of judgment was so heavy upon them that they could bear it no longer. And it was something so heavy they didn't feel they could run from that. But here's a question that may be even more challenging than have you ever felt judged? And that is, have you ever judged someone else? And again, not only do all of us probably fall into the category of having felt judged, but I think all of us have also fallen into that category of having judged others. It's like, you know, it's almost impossible, you know, for us to, to not have done that because, you know, we're, we're, we're human, uh, we're broken, we're living in this part of this broken world. And, and, and I'm not talking about like condemning someone to hell, like you're a sinner, you're going to hell. But I'm talking about just being judgy. Just being judgy, making others feel like they don't quite live up to our expectations. Now, we can all fall into that, and I confess, I've been there. I think even on my worst days now, it's something that I still have to battle so that I don't fall into that kind of spirit of being judgmental and just being judgy. Now listen, being judgy is dumb. Now we're talking, you know, through this series about dumb things 
that even smart Christians do. Just dumb stuff, like things that we fall prey to, things that we might allow to slip into our lives, even though, man, man, we can be some really smart believers, but there's still dumb things that we fall into. And can I just tell you that being judgy is dumb because it chases people away from our lives. Like they run, we all, we run from judgmental people. And unfortunately, people don't just run from us. Sometimes we can chase people right away from Jesus himself through a spirit of judgmentalism. And guess what? Being judgy isn't just dumb, it's double dumb. It is double dumb because not only does it chase people from our lives, but guess what? It almost never brings about the kind of result that we're hoping for. Like we were expecting, if I just judge this person, tell someone what I really feel about them, that it's going to bring about some change, some positive change in their life. Well, being judged is double down. It chases people away, and it does not bring about any kind of hoped-for result that was in our imagination. I really think that what pastor and author Carrie Newhoff said on this is so on point. Here's what Carrie said. He said, very few people, listen to this, get judged into life change. Many people get loved into it. Isn't that good? Very few people get judged into life change. Many people get loved into it. And yet, we still do it. <laughs> even though it's dumb, even though it's double dumb, we still can find ourselves being judgy. Why? Well, sometimes it's just arrogance. You know, like we, we're still dealing with that pride nature that like kind of makes me feel, well, you know what? I do know more than that person on this topic. I do know how they should live their life. I, I can tell them how they should be living their lives and really, we just have this place of arrogance, right? But also, we can judge from a place of brokenness. Like, if I'm dealing with pain in my own life, and I don't feel good about myself, and I feel kind of broken and shattered inside, but if I can still look down my nose at someone else, then maybe that will make me feel just a little bit better. It's dumb, but we do it. And we sometimes, unfortunately, think that. Third reason why we might be judgy is because how we were raised. Yikes. Listen, if, if we were raised in an environment of heavy judginess, you know, heavy critical spirits, guess what? It's become so normal to our way of thinking and behaving that we don't even realize when we're being judgy. Because just so it's become so normal for us, and that may have been in our family of origin. It may have been in a church that we grew up in, where it's just this heavy spirit of judgmentalism. It's just become normal for us. But I also think that there's a fourth reason that sometimes we can fall into that that judginess, and it's like, Pastor, I judge because I care. I judge because I can't, I just can't stand 
seeing people do something that they shouldn't be doing, and it's just like, ah, I can't help but say it. I can't help but think it and say it. I judge because I care. Well, maybe we need to look at one of the things that Jesus said, and it's very likely you may have heard this before, but I'll tell you, it's such an important concept. It's such an important truth because Jesus said, do not judge others. Well, what did he mean by that? I mean, what, what did Jesus mean by that? Let's, let's turn to that passage of scripture and see what we can discover where Jesus said those famous words, do not judge others. It's found in Luke 6, 37. It's also found in Matthew, but we're going to be looking at Luke 6, 37. Jesus said these words. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Do not judge others. It'd probably be helpful for you to, to, to know what Jesus had just finished saying before he said those words, don't judge others. Later, you can go back and look at this because if you, if you just kind of go back a few verses, Jesus had just finished saying, love your enemies. Oh, he had just said, say, love your enemies. Then he goes on and says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Then he goes on and says, and don't judge others. Listen, I think those are very connected thoughts. I think that loving people, being compassionate, even to people that we would consider our enemies, goes right hand in hand with don't judge them. Don't judge people. Don't judge anybody, but even those people that we would associate with being our enemies. So what does it mean not to judge? I mean, pastor, does that mean like I have to turn my brain off when I'm around things that bug me? Or when I'm around things I just know are wrong? I mean, is, you know, like I, mean, I read the Bible, I see what's right, I see what's wrong, the Holy Spirit's guiding me in this. Am I supposed to just turn my brain off? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Listen, the Bible never tells us to like disengage our brain or disengage our spirit. In fact, Jesus tells us that one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit's work in our life is to guide us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is actually helping us to see these things. In fact, one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit will bring in our lives is called the gift of discernment, which is where God himself helps us to recognize what's right and what's wrong. And we see this evidenced in Jesus' life. I mean, Jesus like called some people out on stuff that they should not be doing. And if we're to follow Jesus and be like Jesus, there were times when like he called people out and usually it was people like the false prophets. He had some harsh things to say. He talked a lot about people who were like being extra religious 
and trying to like use like all kinds of rules and things to try to, you know, that was the way to God. And Jesus was very, very, well, he brought some judgment against people that were doing that. So if he says do not judge others, but we're never told to like turn our brains off or even turn our spirits off, what is he talking about? Well, that word that he uses there for judgment is the word crino. Would you say the word crino? It's like, that's what, that's like the actual word that Jesus used that's translated into judgment. Crino is where we get the word critical. Crino, critical. What Jesus is saying in these words right here is stop being critical of others. Stop all that like harsh criticism, looking at people through those lenses of like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about what she's wearing. I, I don't know about those kind of people. Oh, I know all about that racial group or that ethnic group or that whatever. And we start just thinking critically about people. And I'll tell you, when we're, when we're thinking critically about someone or a, even a group of people, guess what? We can't love them. We can't, we can't be judgy and be loving at the same time. They're opposites. And so Jesus is saying, do not be critical. Stop your harsh criticism. Or to put it simply, stop being judgy. It's dumb. Doesn't work. And it's painful. But are there times when it's important to step out and risk maybe bringing a word of correction to someone you love. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is important at times to do that. We're gonna look at that in a minute. Like when, when does that even make sense to do? How, how would that be done if, if Jesus is saying not to be harshly critical of others? We're gonna look at that. But what's important for us to catch right at the beginning is that even if we have to come alongside someone and help them through a rough patch, help them through a season where they may be walking out of bounds that God has clearly given, it is never to be done in a spirit of criticism. That sharp, harsh, critical spirit, it does not belong in our lives. And then Jesus goes on, he doesn't just say don't, judge people, then he goes on and drops another bomb on us when he says, do not condemn others. He said, don't judge, but then he said, don't condemn. Now, judging is being harshly critical. What is condemning? Well, condemning is when we are climbing up onto God's throne, okay? We're like, we're climbing up onto God's throne, and saying, hey, God, would you just scoot over for a minute? Because I feel on this particular instance that I have some insight here that could help you, right? We put ourselves in a position where we say like, I'm the judge, I'm the jury, and I'm the executioner. God, on this one, guilty, guilty. And there's that 
condemnation because we put ourselves really equal to God because God's our judge. God is the one who is gonna judge all people, judge all things, but when we condemn people, we're putting ourselves up there equal with God. Do not judge. Because judge will always bring shame into a person's life. Do not condemn, because condemnation will always steal the hope that people have. And neither of these things, judgment or condemnation, reflects anything of God's grace, his mercy, and his love that is always drawing people to redemption, right? I I mean, we gotta capture this. God is always drawing people, but judgment and condemnation always pushes them further away from us and from God himself. It's in Romans that Paul is writing about this. In Romans 2, 4, such a powerful, powerful verse. Read it along with me. Romans 2, 4, Paul says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's God's kindness that leads me to repentance. When there's like life change that is needed in me, when I am like, doing wrong and need to be drawn out of that, it's God's kindness, his tolerance, it says, and his patience, his love for me that draws. Okay, so if that's true for all of our stories, that if it's actually God's kindness, tolerance, his patience, then what makes us think that when we're dealing with other people, that somehow that being judgy or being condemning is going to help draw them out of that. Absolutely not. We're called to have those same things, those same qualities within us, right? Of patience, tolerance, kindness with people. That's what's going to draw people out of darkness, but... Judgment and condemnation is only going to push them farther into darkness. That's why it's dumb. But here's the good news. That when God is alive and at work in our, in our stories, he's given us his Holy Spirit. Think about the fruit of the Spirit because it includes the very things we need to live life in relationship with other broken people, right? It, the fruit of the Spirit, what do we see there? Kindness, the very thing that will help to draw people out. What else do we see? We see patience, we see gentleness, we see love. The very things that are needed, like in our relationship with other broken people, we find are given to us freely, are activated in our lives 
when God is here, when we're just living life with the Holy Spirit, he will gift us with the very things we need to come alongside people and move from being judgy to really having this new form of spiritual judgment where we can actually become smart about living alongside other broken people. So I want to I I ask, like, so what does God's word say about how we move to this place from being judgy and condemning to being people that have this new kind of spiritual judgment in our lives that is filled with the kinds of things that were just mentioned, kindness, tolerance, patience, love. Three things I want to just point out from Scripture about what that looks like, how, how we can be informed by Scripture about what it looks like to be people of really good spiritual judgment and to move away from judginess. First thing that we see is this, be selective. Be selective. Pastor, I don't even know what that means. Well, good, because Paul wrote specifically about being selective when it comes to any kind of judgment that may be needed. I want you to read along with me again. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. And Paul says this. He says, when I wrote to you before, I told you to use your judgment to use good spiritual judgment. Listen to what he says. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Ouch. But then he goes on, he says, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone, uh uh-oh, who claims to be a believer and yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or who cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Now listen, to I mean, this is powerful. Listen, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. So listen, number one thing we see, be really selective about anyone that you might approach with this spiritual form of judgment. We already know we're not to be judgy towards anybody, right? Drop the harsh critical spirit, drop those things that are unfruitful, drop condemnation. But this spiritual type of judgment that is patient, kind, tolerant, First thing we see here is that if someone in our circle of relationship or someone we come across is not a follower of Jesus, then guess what? Paul says, hands off. You don't get to judge them. 
Why? Because they're just, they're living their own life in a way that is true to the path that they have chosen. So what do we do? Thank you, Amelia. You've read my notes. We love them. And and we pray for them. We are kind and patient and tolerant with people who are not walking as followers of Jesus. Is it perhaps true that it is our kindness that will lead them to repentance? Oh, yeah, I think we read something about that. Romans 2.4. Maybe it's that that's actually gonna draw someone to the Lord, not being judging, not being condemning. We don't need, so we'd be selective. But then Paul does go on here and says that we do have a different level of responsibility with who? With our brothers and sisters. Listen, as part of those who are like followers of Jesus, you and I have a responsibility to one another because we're family. Because like, We have the same father. So if you are straying outside of the bounds of what God has shown us in his word, guess what? My heart's desire would be that other brothers and sisters would come alongside of you and lovingly, patiently grab a hold and say, hey, what's going on and how can we help? And we don't want this to end in tragedy in your story. And guess what? If it's you and me that have strayed, right? I'm just going to make it real personal. If I have strayed outside of something that God's word says, don't stray outside of this, my heart and my prayer is that you, my brothers and sisters, would come alongside of me. We have to live with this open heart within the family where we trust our brothers and sisters to minister life to us when the enemy is wanting to just poison us. And we need people to come alongside and say, poison, stop drinking it, stop eating it, stop doing it, because it's death. And you know what, if we don't do that, if we take like the easy route and just say, oh, like, well, who am I to judge? Jesus, I'm going to go back to that other passage. Jesus said, don't judge others. So I see that person like drinking poison, and that is my brother. That is my sister. I see their life like circling the drain. But you know what? I'm just going to take the easy road here and not say anything. Because I don't want to risk being misunderstood. I don't want to risk possibly stepping on someone's, I don't want to risk them not liking me as much anymore. You know what we're doing? We're actually violating God's word because it says that we must do that, but we're entirely selective about it. We have to be very selective. It's like, hey, is this person my brother and sister in Christ? Or is this someone I just need to lift up before the Lord and love and let that kindness draw them to repentance. We're very selective. But here's something else that we're selective about. We are very selective about what potentially might need that kind of spiritual judgment or correction. Like, we have to be very selective about those things because it has nothing to do 
with what you or I think that that person should or should not be doing. Nothing to do with, with what you think. It is only about those things that God has clearly stated, here are the boundaries. Here are the boundaries for God's people. This is where you will have life. This is where you will flourish. And outside of those boundaries is death. And so Paul even mentions things in here and he calls them evil, right? These things, sexual sin, drunkenness, abusing others, things like that, things that, listen, if these things aren't stopped, not only is it gonna really damage that person, but it's gonna damage all those around them as well. Right? It's going to begin to damage their families. It's going to begin to damage their friendships. Guess what? It will even damage a church family when those things are just, well, they're poison. And it not only poisons the person, but it starts to poison the whole environment around them. And so we have to be, number one, really selective about anything that comes to the spiritual form of judgment. But then... God's word gives us a couple other things, two other things. The second one is this. Not only are we to be selective, but we are to be gentle. We are to be gentle. And this is so often where we get it really, really wrong. Is that we revert back to that place in our story where we were harshly critical and judgy. And that is the opposite of anything of gentleness. So again, in one of Paul's letters, love my, 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 my man, my man Paul, because he talks about real life stuff, right? And how the work of God will show itself in our relationships. And so he says in Galatians 6.1, brother, dear brothers and sisters, right? Again, talking to who? The family. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if any believer, not any person, if any believer is overcome by sin, right? They drank the poison. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Oh, so judginess and condemnation is replaced with gentleness. I'm reminded of Jesus' golden rule, right? Treat others the way you would want to be treated. So when it comes to like having to deal with hard things like correction and spiritual judgment, guess what? How would you want to be corrected? Okay, ain't nobody looking to get roughed up. Ain't nobody woke up saying, man, I just hope somebody just like rips me a new one today. So if that's how we would want to be treated, kindness, tolerance, patience, love, guess what? That's how we should be when we are coming alongside other people who are dealing with their stuff gentleness. I think one of the ways that we can work on being gentle when, when we have to have hard conversations is this. Start with questions 
rather than accusations. Start with questions rather than accusations. How much better is it to say, hey, can I ask you a question about maybe something I, I saw in your life? Can, can, I, can I ask you about something I saw rather than saying, let me tell you what I saw in your life. It's just a gentler approach because it leads to greater understanding. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I saw something incorrectly. It, it's, it's seeking to understand before, right, bringing correction. So seek to be understood. Lead with questions rather than accusations. And this is also another really good place. Like if you don't, you like to say, if, if you don't feel that you may have this whole gentleness thing down, if you're learning, if you're, if you're moving from judginess, right, to this new spiritual form of judgment, this may be a really good time to take a partner. To go and talk with someone who's maybe an elder, Maybe someone who's wiser, someone who has more experience, just like, how do I help come alongside a friend, someone who I love, a brother or a sister who's going through some hard stuff? Take a partner on it. Ask for help before diving into something really tricky, because it is tricky. Next thing, last thing is this. Be selective, be gentle, third, be humble. Be humble. Paul said that moments ago we read in Galatians 6 where it says, hey, if if someone's out of line, man, we we approach them with gentleness and humility. Be humble. Any arrogance, any pride, right? What is that? That's us putting ourselves up on the throne. People sense that and they run from it. They run from it. We must come in a spirit of Humility. This is why Jesus said one of the most brilliant things. It's a, it's a, it's a, he gives us a picture of people who are not walking in this. Also found in Luke chapter 6, where we started today. A few verses later, Luke 6, 41, 42, Jesus says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? You know, that little thing that's like, oh man, if I could just like reach in there and dig it out. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a freaking log stuck in your own eye? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see? (laughs) When you're blinded. When you're blinded by that log. When you can't see past the log in your own eye hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What was Jesus saying? Hey, none of us have a reason for pride in our lives. None of us have a reason for that. And here's here's a real simple way to say it. Deal with your own crap first. That's what Jesus is saying. Just deal with your own crap first. When we do, when we do, you know what it does? Oh my goodness. It reminds us, I've been forgiven much. I have experienced God's kindness, his tolerance, his patience with me. 
I've experienced so much mercy. How can I not be humble? How can I not be gentle? How can I not be so selective about those very rare moments when I may have to come alongside a brother or sister with this non-judgmental, judgy condemnation, but with this kind of spiritual judgment that kind of puts my arm around someone and says, hey, can I walk with you through this season? Can I walk with you? Listen, being selective, being gentle, being humble, these are all things that reflect the love of God. situations. Listen, if you've been damaged in your life by others being judgy, by others being condemning, I'm so sorry. doesn't matter if it was from a parent, it was from a friend, for some of you didn't even know. Maybe it was even from a pastor or a church. If you have been hurt by this spirit of judgmentalism, can you please, please recognize that wasn't the heart of God. That just spilled out of someone dealing with their own crap, I could say. That they hadn't dealt yet with something that was broken inside of them, that needed healing so that then they may be able to see well enough to come alongside and help when they're healing. Maybe they were just being judgy about something that didn't even matter. And I'm so sorry. Thank God for his healing power. Thank God that he's the God of second chances. Thank God that even if we still bear some wounds, that we can give those over to the Lord and experience his healing touch and the pouring out of his love on all those places where we've been wounded. And if we're someone also who recognizes, you know what, I've done some wounding. What an important place to say, you know what, that was dumb. But I don't have to stick there. I don't have to, I'm not stuck being dumb. So you know what, I am going to go back and I'm going to do the hard work of rebuilding trust with someone that I violated. I'm going to work extra hard to become someone who's not only selective about what may need anything of my spiritual judgment, but I'm going to work doubly hard to be gentle, humble, I want to be someone who expresses the love of Jesus in ways that are going to be transforming and healing in people's lives. Because maybe it's that kindness that will actually lead people to redemption rather than chase them further. Jesus, we have to come before you here and say, God, would you heal places in our story that still bear the brokenness 
other people's judgment. And God, would you also work within us to pull out that poison of judginess that we have allowed into our lives and into our stories. That harsh, critical spirit that would cause us to push others away rather than draw them in. So Lord, we ask, Father, for your transforming power and grace this morning. I invite a prayer team to come on up. Frank and Susie, would you just jump up here and Hunter and others, would you just come? Because I think there may be people this morning. Jordans, would you come and to make yourselves available for prayer? I think there may be people here this morning that need a touch of the Lord. Either because you're bearing the marks of pain or whether you just recognize I've inflicted it. I've hurt other people and I need to ask God for God's forgiveness and then figure out how do I go back and ask others for theirs. But we can be confident in this, no matter what it is, it's the power of Jesus that will set us free. And if you're someone here today that you have not experienced the power of Jesus' love and his forgiveness, if you've never invited him in, saying, Jesus, I need to make sure that I recognize that you are on the throne, not me. You are on the throne of my heart and my life. Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord. You are my Savior. It is only in you that I can have forgiveness and freedom. If that's you, I would ask you to come as well, that you would find someone right up here today. If you're in the courtyard, I invite you to come. If you're online, I invite you to reach out to us online. Drop us a note, whether you're on Facebook right now, whether you go over to our church website, sm4.org, and say, hey, just go over to our contact page, drop us a note and say, hey, I need freedom in this area. I need healing in this area because we want to be praying for you 